Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast Extras. In this episode, we take your audio quality to 11. What should you look for and what do you really need? I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren McKay. For those of you who have listened to the Hardware Asylum Podcast over the past several years, you will have realized that Darren and I are both hardware enthusiasts yes but in the computer realm but you may not know that we have kind of a a varied past (laughs) that includes all manner of stuff you know like programming building computers and car audio that's right dennis and i both have built competitive level systems in cars in the past and in fact uh recently i have had problems with the stereo in my current car And to be fair, I bought a car and for the first time in my life, actually left the factory system in it. Yeah. And that's, um, that's kind of painful being that, you know, when we were in high school and college, that was, that was the thing that separated you from everybody else. You have like a custom car and then you also have a custom system to go into it. And then, you know, you kind of get older and a little bit wiser and a bit, you know, the money goes somewhere else, obviously. So you don't spend it on your car. Mm-hmm. And you get something that just gets you by. So I have an Acura TL Type S, so it's not exactly a entry-level car. No. And it came with a Bose-branded system that included a six-disc changer and actually had a built-in subwoofer, a 12-inch subwoofer, a baffleless in the back, mm-hmm. uh, for those of you that are more serious audio enthusiasts, that provided a decent amount of bass. And I've run it for a few years, and recently I've had problems with my CD changer not reading my discs. And that's kind of a common thing with CD players in cars, you know, because you get road vibration, you get dust, uh, you know, heat cycles, and eventually that laser just kind of gets out of alignment and it won't work no more. So it's got me thinking about home audio and car audio stuff again. And like I said, I'd kind of gotten in the place where I was happy with my car stereo. But recently, I've started upgrading my home stereo system stuff again, specifically stereo equipment and audio equipment that's attached to my computer. Yeah. Well, now, being audio enthusiasts, we we look to have good quality regardless of what we're in. So, you know, good headphones, good desktop speakers, good home theater system. If you have the budget to get some good speakers and a good amp behind it, then that's what you do. So, yeah, that's a good point because, you know, I think audio is something that we kind of tend to take for granted, especially as gamers and enthusiasts, because if you buy a premium motherboard these days, you're going to get pretty good sound quality right off of the motherboard. In Mm -hmm. fact, the uh, motherboard I'm running, the MSI Gamer 7, has uh, Creative Labs branded home theater, home cinema technology on it that's pretty darn good. Mm -hmm. But is it good enough? I don't know. So I've had the opportunity over the last couple of months to uh, upgrade my home system, something I've been thinking about for a while for my computer. Now, I have a pretty impressive uh, home theater system that's an 11.2 system that's... uh, uh, Yeah, with the Atmos speaker option and stuff? Yeah, and it's pretty sexy, and I've got a big old uh, 600-watt active subwoofer and and the whole nine yards, and I'm running uh, Paradigm Titans in all of my locations. Mm -hmm. So some great systems with a pretty high-end Denon... uh, uh, home theater system. So I've gotten kind of spoiled in the fact that I have really great sound on my home theater system. So when we started talking about 
upgrading the computer system, I was kind of in a spot. So I started out by accident, really, buying a set of Sennheiser HD6XX headphones, which are a limited run headphone that I purchased through Mastrop. And really, you run headphones on your PC all the time. I do. Now, I have done speaker systems, and in fact, I've reviewed speaker systems, but for the most part, and because my office is right next to my kids' bedrooms, I tend to run pretty good headphones. So I've got a a pair of Sennheiser uh, surround sound headphones that I absolutely adore. and Comfy and high quality. <laughs> they are, and their sound processing that comes with it was pretty good, a Dolby 7.1 uh, USB sound processor. Oh, that's right. Cause it has the dongle that's USB powered and then it will do the 5.1 interpolated to the headphone. Right now, most games don't support 7.1. So I found myself running in 5.1 mode, but then when I had the opportunity to pick up a set of Sennheiser 6XX, which is a mono set of headphones designed primarily for audio listening, I jumped on them because I had been kind of eyeballing a set of stereo headphones for a while. And Dennis, you and I have gone through this, and I know even as we're recording this podcast, we have some pretty good mono or stereo headphones on right now. I'm wearing a pair of Shure headphones that are pretty high-end, and I know you've got one of the top Pioneer setups on. Mm -hmm. But my go-to for affordable audiophile quality has always been Sennheiser. Yeah. Now, to be fair, like all home theater systems, and even Pioneer and Shure are guilty of this, you have to be careful because to be competitive in the audio market, you have to offer entry-level stuff. You just have to, and it's not great. Yeah, and it's, I want to say it's a bad thing in the market just because we have so many consumers that are budget-oriented, but they want to go after the high-end name. They just don't want to pay the high-end price. Yeah. So they'll settle for a low-end version of a Sennheiser headphone that may not have like the removable gold-plated jack and the crazy long cable that costs like $500. Right, right. As long as it says Sennheiser on it. And I want to say that really ruins the whole enthusiast aspect of why you would go after a Sennheiser headset. But that's neither here nor there. The idea is that those options are available for people. So I think before we get too much further, let's talk about what my current system is because I think for most people, my home theater system that's hooked to my PC not the one that's hooked to my home theater system, yep. is a bit overkill. So, overkill? You can't have overkill. <laughs> well, no. But it gives me an opportunity to talk about a product that I recently reviewed, and I want you to check out the review if you haven't, because it's the Creative Sound Blaster X Katana Multi-Channel Gaming Sound Bar. And Sound it bar. really is kind of a cool product that a lot of people haven't looked at. But it gives you a sound bar. There's a four-speaker sound bar and a subwoofer. Mm-hmm. that sound really great, especially if you have a smaller office like I do, where you have a full enclosed room. And you're going to get surround sound and bouncing off the back as if you had speakers behind you. So it replaces a uh, Logitech 5.1 system that I had just, I don't know, I just never used it. Right. Well, and we should step back with the sound bar. This is a product that I saw at CES, and Creative was nice enough to send us one for review when they demoed it in this room, their their booth or their little suite, this room was probably maybe 20 by 30. And when they were playing the Guardians of the Galaxy 2 trailer, they turned it up about halfway. And it actually filled that entire room to the point where some of the people having a meeting in the back 
had to speak louder so that they could continue talking. Oh, yeah. And that's a bit of, uh, that. well, needless to say, it surprised me. And it surprised me in such a way as like, you know, when you went to uh, some of the stereo shops or whatnot and you would demo a Bose system, sometimes they would have the, these little tiny cubes, those little Bose cubes behind a, a cloth panel that would look like a full-size speaker. And then they would demo the thing and you're like, what the hell? This is like, it's loud. Well, they pull the, the cloth panel away and you see these little squares that are like four by four. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how did that small of a speaker make such a large sound? And it's not necessarily driving power to the speaker, but how the sound bounces around you to amplify itself within the room. Exactly. And that requires you to have a pretty enclosed room mm-hmm. and honestly i want to encourage you to go out and read the review because if you want speakers for your system this might be the way to go for you but what i find that i'm using the katana for because i'm a headphone user mm-hmm. is i use the headphone outputs and to be fair i also have on my desk a silverstone setup that i want to talk about too and dennis you did the review on this the silverstone ensemble series ebo3 and ebo1-e audio amp deck yeah, and that's a. Those were two products. They were designed to be worked together, but they can be separate. So you have one that's a headphone amplifier, and another one which is a DAC, which takes analog signals or digital signals and converts them to analog. So, so that takes me back to where we started a little bit, which was I bought a pair of high-end uh, Sennheiser headphones. Now the six XX headphones are basically the same as the six fifty headphones, which have been a staple for the Sennheiser product for a lot of years now they're the not the top dog that's the 800 but they're pretty darn close and they are considered by a lot of folks the sweet spot in an audiophile budget-friendly headphone Hmm. so i've got these great headphones and i'm trying to find a way to drive them and it's got me back into the home theater bug dennis and that, that stuff's not cheap so the silverstone ensemble series that that we reviewed now i i took possession of this by force maybe is a good description because i was looking for that i, I turned around and they disappeared <laughs> so it's two pieces and i want to just kind of briefly describe that for the folks that aren't audiophiles out there so everybody i think kind of has a basic understanding of what an amplifier is I mean, you're just basically adding power. And as you spend money on your amplifier, you gain more power, but you also gain more clarity. And the goal of a good amplifier is to provide no change to the signal that you're listening to, only amplification. Yeah, amplified without noise addition. And coming from a car audio background, that's really important because your soundstage is really critical in a car because you have so much interface. But when you're connecting these things to a headphone, you have so much control over the soundstage because you've got, you know, either open or closed back cans and the speakers in them are balanced or angled or maybe multi, but all of that is contained in a very small soundstage, which is why we spend a little bit more on our headphones. And most gamers out there, I think the weak spot in your system is your sound system. I mean, we all know that we need to spend money on our system, mm-hmm. processors, video cards, you know. And for the most part, I think that we have gotten to the point now where people understand the importance of having a good responsive mouse and keyboard. I think what most enthusiasts don't count on, though, is the importance, especially as a gamer, of having a good headset. And now, I prefer a surround sound headset most of the time because I am so dependent, Dennis, on the spatial sound of knowing where things are happening. 
Mm-hmm. And the more money and the cleaner and better sound that you get in your surround sound, the easier it is for me to go, okay, to my left is where that came from or behind me. And your sound stage becomes so critical. And this is especially true in a first person shooter, but I don't want to discount the importance of an atmosphere in a game, especially if you're looking at something like a resident evil or the seven days to die, where you've got this kind of mood setting music that works in and around you in the surround sound stage. Yeah, that plays into the immersion factor, which is, you know, NVIDIA builds how you have surround sound monitors so that helps you get immersive into your game. Exactly. And there's so much involved with that. There's the visual aspect, there's the sound aspect, which is almost more important. And then there's the, you know, keyboard and mouse, which is how you interact with that environment. Exactly. So that brings us back to, we talked about an amp and what an amp does and how important it is that your amplification is clean, which is just more money and how important it is to have power, which is again, more money. Mm -hmm. So a DAC or digital audio converter is the companion piece to that. And in a lot of ways that is bringing the sound processing outside of your computer. And let's face it, when you buy a motherboard, even if you spend the high end amount, like we do as enthusiasts, there are going to be compromises, and one of the big compromises is the sound system because you just don't have room on a motherboard to provide the caps and the crossovers and all those important pieces to make your sound clean. Right, and speaking from motherboard design, you have different factors. So if the mo- if the motherboard manufacturer is more focused on performance, they're going to skimp on the audio selection to give you a bigger VRM or more expansion slots for video cards and stuff like that. If you have a gaming ready system, they may spend more time and effort on the audio to complement your games. So if you want to take your sound outside of your PC, which is what most audiophiles recommend, you get the advantage of isolating your sound. You don't have any interference from anything that's inside of your computer. And most DACs or digital audio converters, again, will use a USB connector to take the control of that sound fully digital outside to a specific box. Now, some purists will tell you that you should use a Toslink or an optical or coaxial to bring that off of that because that's what they're used to from home theater. Right, but that still is using the onboard audio controller to send that signal to the DAC. Exactly, which equals more processing, which means by the time you get to your DAC, your digital auto converter, your signal's already been messed with. And we don't want that. So if you get a good DAC, and the EVO01E from Silverstone is a is a great example of a budget-friendly but powerful digital audio converter. Uh, so visualize you've got USB coming out from your PC. You've completely turned off all sound processing on your enthusiast board, which gives you the nice benefit of not using those cycles and the power. So you can divert those to other areas like overclocking. <laughs> And still, you're going to get better sound because you're going to get an outbound uh, uh, sound processing. And if you buy a good enough digital audio processor, you also have the ability to upgrade the OPAC, so the the amplification circuits inside of it, to change your sound signature. In the the car audio world, that would be the crossover points. Right. So anyway, uh, I've been using two different processing. The Creative Sound Blaster X has a built-in amp DAC system that is actually pretty amazing. So mm-hmm. you get the nice benefit of a good sound processing system, essentially an outbound or external sound card. And then uh, you get the uh, advantage of having the speaker system too. 
But if you really want to go out, the Silverstone setup is a great example of how you can take this completely external. So you hook up your amp DAC to your USB, and then you process the power. So it's going to clean up your signal, convert it out, and then feed it to the amplifier nice and clean and crisp and hopefully restored and provide a great outbound signal. The one thing I noticed, if I can interject with my review of these two products, is that the amp DAC, when I tested the audio quality, it was lacking in a couple of areas. Yes. But when you sent that signal into the headphone amplifier, it cleaned it up and actually made the sound quality better in terms of the way that it was tested. So there was a bit of complementary um, sound processing between the two units. And that's something that if you do a separate devices like the Silverstone, you want right. to have something that works together. Well, and it's nice if you can match them up and you'll find that this is really common out in the audiophile world. Now, the problem is that this can eat your money faster than overclocking processors can, which is a little bit scary. Oh, so yeah. when you buy an amp or a DAC or you buy them together, you're, you're going to spend a lot of money and you can actually go up to 10 or $12,000 per component if you want to get into some serious equipment. But from your home PC standpoint, you can go a lot cheaper. And one of the other things that I want to mention too, if you're looking at getting an amp DAC for yourself, something that I've been looking at is a digital auto processor, but it uses onboard circuitry. So some people consider this sound cold, which is a nice way of saying that it's analytical, not very nuanced or or personality. Yeah, they, they claim it doesn't have depth. Exactly. Now, the reality is, is that you're cleaning it up and you're processing it in it is clinical a way as possible, clean with zero interference. But there's a completely different train of thought, and that is to go back to vacuum tubes. Now, vacuum tubes, this is something that was created back in the 20s and 30s? Yes. And that was... That was how radios were done. They were done with vacuum tubes because they couldn't get the transistors small enough, like what we have now with solid-state transistors, to give you that sort of processing. So what they created was a tube, and the vacuum was able to retain the heat because these things got hot. They were like little light bulbs. They do, and they glow, which and is kind of cool. It's kind of cool. It's really yeah. neat to watch. But these uh, the tubes would take the place of like a transistor that might be on a modern DAC. And then they would pipe into a bunch of other electronic components. But those transistors gave your audio quality a bit of warmth that is not necessarily something that you can measure, but it's something that you perceive when you listen to it. Exactly. And what's more interesting even about that is if you get a tube amplifier you can change the tubes. Something they call rolling tubes is the term that you use. And as an enthusiast hardware guy, there's a great appeal to that. So I've been looking at entry-level amps. And I should point out that there's also a, a marriage between the two that you'll see that's called a hybrid amp, where you might have a true solid-state uh, processing DAC, and then the amplification piece of that might be a vacuum tube. So hybrid amp is a thing that you can get that is supposed to give you the best of both worlds. But most everybody says, well, you know, if you do a hybrid, you're actually getting compromise on both sides. So this kind of reminds me of the classic conversation. And Dennis, we talked about this a little bit before we started of folks that still swear by vinyl records. 
<laughs> yeah, I was reminded of a, a Dari episode where Trent got a hold of a bunch of vinyl records. Yeah, I'm talking about comics, by the way. Got a bunch of vinyl records, and him and his bandmates were listening to them that evening before they were going to sell them at a flea market and explaining how if they stood on one foot and faced east that you could feel the angst of the artist or something. <laughs> and it was just their perception of how vinyl was over like a compact disc, which might be more technically accurate and higher bit depth and whatnot. But there's a bit of warmth with the way that analog you know, records and over a single needle and whatnot that it just, you can't replicate that. Well, folks that are really into vinyl will tell you that records reproduce the sound in a way that is warm. And I think that was the, the term that you used earlier. And it's hard to describe what warm means, but essentially the sound is, is I don't know, more appealing and less clinical, which in my mind is kind of an oxymoron because the computer enthusiast in me wants the clinical perfection mm-hmm. of a solid state amplifier DAC combination. But the audio enthusiast in me says, maybe there's more to it out there and I should be looking into this. So I've been shopping for a tube amp and I see that you've brought up a really kind of a cool product that's worth mentioning. So I'm going <laughs> to let yeah. you talk about this thing. Yeah. As we were talking about this tube amp and we have a web browser running in the background and he was going to bring up the little dot MK2 vacuum tube Ooh, amplifier, which we'll talk about in a second. Yeah. We'll come back to that. But I was reminded of a motherboard that I saw visiting Compu... No, not Computex, not C- Comdex. That's Ooh. the one it was before the show like canceled. But there was a motherboard company there called AOpen. And one of their flagship products that they were showing was a motherboard that had three expansion slots. And the bottom part of it was a dedicated vacuum tube amplifier. Very interesting. And I'm looking at the picture of this thing. We'll put it in the show notes, of course. And I'm intrigued because I've never seen a motherboard quite like it before. And when I talked to them about it, they said, well, we are dedicated to changing the way that people perceive motherboards in terms of like audio quality. They wanted to bring more audio quality to their products. And in doing so, they said, well, we're going back to our roots, as you had mentioned before, and going to put a vacuum tube amplifier on there. And that's what they did. And wow. You these the this particular version of it has a very large tube, and the ones that I saw at Comdex, they were multiple tubes, and they were a little bit smaller, so they were very specialized. Mm-hmm. And that's a little more common because you can get balanced and matching tubes for both of your audio channels. So you're running a left channel and a right channel with mm-hmm. dedicated tubes, right? And, and this one has some really large capacitors in the background, which it help will balance and clean up the audio before it goes to the tubes. They didn't have a demo playing. Otherwise, I probably could have put on some headphones and really listened to the audio. But at the time, I wasn't convinced that vacuum tubes were really the future or the reason why you should have like good audio or this is the way to have good audio. I kind of felt it was a really a gimmick that they were trying to get an edge up in the market. And I believe they did. However, after this generation, they stopped doing it. So it either became very expensive for them or it didn't sell as well as they wanted. Well, I suspect the demand isn't high because I think the folks that are at the level where they want a tube amplifier are looking externally at a product, which gives us a good opportunity, I think, to talk about um, some of the entry-level tube amplifiers out there. (coughs) Now, 
Uh, I've been trying to find a good way to get myself interested in the tube amp world, and I quickly discovered that, wow, it's kind of a very expensive sport, if you will. Sport or hobby or passion or whatever euphemism you want to associate with that. So, Dennis, I have to tell you, I actually don't buy a lot of music these days because I'm so into streaming, and I have a pretty huge collection of CDs back from when I was younger. Well, we both do, actually. (laughs) So... I uh, I I tend to look away from those things, but I had the opportunity to pick up a vinyl record this week, which makes me feel old or maybe a bit snobby. Well, unfortunately, the vinyl record market is coming back. I mean, you know, Metallica released a new album, and they released a special edition vinyl. <laughs> right. That wasn't black. It was like blue or some crazy color like that. But at the same time, I was going down to the local grocery store and they have a a sound section in there where you can buy cds and movies and stuff like that they have a dedicated rack of vinyl records and you could get like nwa you could get ozzy osbourne you could get all the classics which i thought was amazing because vinyl was supposed to be dead like 10 years ago oh yeah so what got me interested was uh, was some music from a band that i like that had never been released on cd and was difficult to find online. A couple of the tracks I never did find. Mm-hmm. And uh was white vinyl, which seems cool. And oh. it was 50% off. A lot of win there. Yeah, lots of win. Lots of win. So I do have a record player that I have uh, used in the past to convert some of my music onto digital. With so the, the diamond needle? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is a gear-driven as opposed to a belt-driven. So it's a little bit nicer. And it has a USB output, which... Yeah, isn't necessarily as good as a true audiophile connection, but it'll do. It will do. And some of these things that we mentioned are very audiophile-esque, so Mm -hmm. some of the younger listeners may not understand that, but... So that got me back to the vacuum tube thing, and I did a bit of research, and with a little help from my friends at MassDrop that we've talked about before, they have been putting out amps from a company called Little Dot. And even as we speak, they have a Mark II vacuum tube amplifier, for about $114 shipped. That's a, that's amazing. So, I mean, this is not a very expensive unit. You can buy it for about 130 bucks, so it's not a huge drop. But what this is, is a widely regarded entry-level tube amplifier. Now, it's not a DAC amplifier, so it does require some sound processing. But you can put this in line with something like the Katana output or even the output from the Silverstone if you really wanted to. Yeah, you basically take a digital signal. You need to convert it to analog to pass into the amplifier. And at that point, it does its magic. And I pulled up a large version of this of the picture. And we have a single dial, which is basically the volume. Right. And we have a, a, uh, a jack here for... a. And what is this, a quarter-inch jack for the high-end headphones? Yeah, it is. And if you if you take a look at the back, you can see that this can also be used as an amplification unit or a preamp for a set of speakers. It has left and right outs on it. Right, yeah, the coax style. And then we also have a large version you know, PC power style power plug that goes in the back and an on and off switch. So the little dot makes a, a series of products, and you know, so you can kind of log in at what your price point is. But a lot of people consider the two the entry level because it has the four tubes in it, and they're balanced. So, or they can be balanced, I should say. Yeah, it's yeah. for left and right. So you're getting uh, not the best tubes, but you have the opportunity to replace the tubes 
And it will actually take more than one style of tubes, which allows you to explore a wide range of options. And that's kind of the amazing thing about tubes in general. You know, back in my youth, I was playing around with a tube radio and the whole thing just had like eight tubes inside of it. And some of them were huge, some of them were small. And I was playing around it's like you could pull them out and all it had was three poles. Mm -hmm. So you could replace that tube with another one that had the poles in the same spot Uh as long as the you know, the tube would be this kind of a tube and that's how you would know based off of how the, the, uh, right. Connected. Well, the nice advantage too, is that you can buy tube adapters. If you use a little dot that'll allow you to use different styles of tubes. Now, long story short is if you really want to buy something like the little dot, you can get a Mark two, Mark three, Mark four, all they go up and up and up. And it's always a little more money, a little more money. So, you can kind of find the sweet spot that bases your budget. But these are truly designed to be edited, I should say, is not even the right term. They can be modded. So not only can you replace the tubes with other tubes and use adapters to give yourself access to a lot of different tubes, and believe me, you can do the research and find out which ones have different sound signatures that might appeal to you. But in the case of me and my Sennheiser 6XXs, what I'm primarily looking for is a set of tubes that will compensate for some of the weak spots in my headphones. And that's kind of hard to say when you're buying fairly expensive headphones. Mm-hmm. But no headphone is perfect, Dennis, of course. So no, you want to look at the curve that the headphones have and buy tubes that enforce the weak spots, right? Yeah, there's always, um, with the way the frequency response works on a single driver. So in a lot of stereo headphones, you have a large 50 millimeter driver. Right. And those drivers are going to be tuned to a certain frequency. And that if you look at the oscilloscope, it might be flat and then there'll be a peak and then it'll go flat again. Right. That peak is where you want to have most of your voice, but you want to, if you want to enhance the bass, then you need to pump up those frequencies down below. And that's where if you had an EQ, you could do that. Or if you had a tube amplifier or even a digital amplifier, you could adjust those frequencies to increase the output there to compensate for the deficiencies in the driver exactly and the reality is that you can tune your system by changing your tubes uh, or you know simply selecting the correct tubes up front and you also want to take into account the kind of music that you listen to because if you listen to jazz for example or classical music as opposed to edm music or or a harder rock you're going to want a different style sound signature so you want to pick tubes that help enforce that kind of sound listening. And if you pick the right amp and the right tubes, you're going to get a dramatically improved sound stage and you're going to get a dramatically improved frequency response from the headphones you put into it. Of course, assuming that you spent decent money on every component because your audio system, much like your PC, is very dependent on the weakest link. Yeah. And ironically enough, if you listen to like EDM or dance music, you don't want a tube or an amplifier that enhances bass because that is already very prevalent in the music. You want something to enhance the high end because the bass is going to overpower that. And that seems a little counterintuitive because you would think that I want more bass, but really you want the opposite. Mm -hmm. And the great news is that tubes in general are very cheap and very prevalent, and there are a lot of them out there. And it doesn't take a lot of Googling and research to find good resources on what types of tubes do what to your sound. So, Dennis, I got to tell you, I'm still thinking that I need to do a little bit of research 
But the little dot two for a hundred bucks looks like a fantastic opportunity to get out there and learn about tubes and experiment a little bit to see if I can improve upon the sound of my Sennheiser headphones and maybe even find something that will work as a nice post-processing amplifier even for games. So I'm excited about the opportunity to explore this new, but not new, old technology to see if I can bring some new life to my system and expand upon the life of my Sennheiser headphones. So uh, I'd encourage you guys to check that out. And if you are like Dennis and I and looking for ways to improve your sound signature, maybe you should consider a tube amp yourself. Good set of headphones, a DAC. Boy, the possibilities are endless. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on HardwareAsylum.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Asylum by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2017. Thanks for listening.